Section 18 of Humorous Readings and Recitations. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C. Humorous Readings and Recitations. Edited by Leopold Wagner. Section 18. Waiting at Totalpot by J. Ashby Sterry. An hour to wait. Well, that's a nuisance, but I suppose there is no help for it. I cannot possibly go on without my portmanteau, and they may send the wrong one after all. I believe my friend, the dismal porter, the faded misanthrope in corduroys, only telegraph for a brown portmanteau. There are probably twenty brown portmanteaus at this present moment waiting at Jigby Junction, and if I know anything of railway officials, they will be sure to send the wrong one. So here I must wait. I suppose I must have made a mistake in the train. No trap, dog-cart, or conveyance of any kind to meet me from Clumere. Wonder whether they had my telegram. The fated misanthrope says he is quite certain nothing has been over from Clumore since the day before yesterday. And then he says Sir Charles and some of the young ladies came in the wagonette. They waited to see two trains in, he told me, and then drove away, saying there must be some mistake. Hope I did not say Tuesday instead of Thursday, or what is far more likely, write Thursday to look like Tuesday. I asked my friend the porter if there is any other way of getting to Clumere. No, he says, it's a longish walk, a matter of twelve or thirteen miles, and a pretty rough road, too. Now, he says, if it had only been Saturday instead of Thursday, there's a Smaggleton's bus, and you'd put you down within five minutes' walk of the lodge. Smaggleton doesn't run every day. He don't. He only runs o' oh, Saturdays, bein' market day at Stamborough, and a putty full load he gets there and back, which pays Smaggleton very well. And Smaggleton wants it, he continues, what with the branch line to Stamborough, Smaggleton's business ain't what it was. He can't afford to turn up his nose at a few farmers and their missuses nowadays. Smaggleton must take things as they come, the good and the bad, the rough and the smooth, as well as the rest of us. Lore, bless you, sir, I recollect when Smaggleton used to drive about in his dog-cart, in a light top-coat a white hat, and a rose in his buttonhole. He always was quite the... As I do not feel particularly interested in the rise, progress, or downfall of Smaggleton, I am obliged to interrupt my garrulous friend and ask if they did not let out flies at the Crackleton Arms hard by. He informs me they certainly do, in a usual way. 
but he adds they have only two flies one is having something done to the wheels and the other went away early this morning to take some friends of squire bullimore's to a picnic he furthermore tells me that cudgery the carrier would perhaps be able to give me a lift but he would not be here till seven o'clock this evening as they dine at clumere at eight of course cudgery is quite out of the question my friend shakes his head he retires into a dark greasy room which seems to be devoted to lamps and i continued my walk up and down the platform cannot imagine why they ever built a station at Tottlepot. nobody ever wants to stop at Tottlepot. there is no trade at Tottlepot. indeed nobody ought to be allowed to stop at Tottlepot. and Tottlepot is as a station ought to be forthwith disestablished and erased from the railway map of great britain if i had left the train at jigby junction i should not have lost my portmanteau i could have hired a fly and should by this time have been quietly lunching at clumere court instead of pacing up and down the Tottlepot platform like a wild beast in his den i have often waited at stations before every kind of station little and big all over the continent and england and have generally found that waiting productive of considerable amusement but Tottlepot is quite a different thing i think it was albert smith who once spoke of the depth of dullness being achieved by spending a wet sunday all by yourself in a hack cab in the middle of salisbury plain had he been compelled to wait on a fine thursday at Tottlepot, he would have discovered a depth yet lower the only thing in my favour is it is fine if it were wet i cannot imagine what i should do there is a small room i see labelled waiting-room it is about the size of a bathing machine and half filled with parcels and bandboxes if you had to wait there you would be compelled to sit with your legs right across the down platform the only use of that waiting-room would be to keep your hat dry there is not a refreshment room there is not even a bookstall i cannot even cheer myself with an ancient bath bun a glass of cloudy beer or two penny worth of acidulated drops if there happened to be a refreshment room at Tottlepot, that is exactly the kind of refreshment they would give you neither can i pass away the time by purchasing a penny paper and taking a free read of all the novels and publications awaiting purchasers there are no advertisements no lovely oil paintings of seaside resorts which are all the more charming from being not the least like the place they are supposed to represent there are no bills of entertainments no auctioners and house agent notices no posters concerning hotels no glass cases containing photographic specimens 
it is just the place for mark tapley to come to as station master and he with all his power of being jolly under the most disadvantageous circumstances would probably be found under the wheels of a passing express within a fortnight and talking about the station master reminds me i have not yet seen him possibly my friend the faded misanthrope in corduroys is station master if so he has to clean the lamps send telegrams take and issue tickets look after the baggage attend to the signals cultivate his garden pay visits to the crackleton arms and superintend the traffic of the station generally i do not wonder at his appearing to be somewhat depressed the only thing of a lively nature i see about the place is a fine black cat with enormous green eyes which might be utilized as caution signals when the porter in consequence of his multifarious duties was unable to reach the signal box this cat was evidently very much pleased to see me indeed it followed me up and down the platform like a dog and it purred like a saw pit in full work a very tiny pale governess with two big bouncing rosy girls in the highest of spirits the shortest of petticoats and the longest of hair cross the line i fancy those young ladies are daughters of the vicar and i may meet their excellent mamma at dinner to-night the governess passes demurely through the side wicket one of her charges tries to do a sort of blondin feat by walking along the glistening iron rail and falls down the eldest boldly clambers over the five-barreled gate and shows a shapely pair of legs clad in sable hose and snow-white frilled pantalets what did i tell you lil says the governess in the mildest voice to the first very well gil wait till we get home she remarks in yet sweeter tones to the second the two children rejoin her at once and take her hand and disappear down the lane i am left to wonder how she acquires this influence over them for they are as tall as she is and in infinitely stronger they could eat her were they so minded i wonder too what will happen to gil when they get home will mamma be told no i fancy this mild little governess is quite equal to controlling unaided these big bouncing girls my friend the porter has had this time got through a quantity of business of a variety nature and is enjoying a little light relaxation by digging violently in his garden he has taken off his jacket and a good deal of his depression seems to have been removed at the same time it must be depressing to be compelled to reside in a somewhat tight corduroy jacket all your life and as he digs he, he hums to himself a sort of merry dirge I endeavor to enter into the spirit of the thing and sympathize with him in his relaxation i say cheerfully as if i knew all about it ah 
nice fine weather for the i cannot for the life of me think what it is nice fine weather for my friend says eh i observe he is not so respectful in his private as he is in his portial capacity i reply quite so whereupon he rejoins ha but we could do wit a bit o rain for thee cannot catch remainder of this sentence but i never yet met a gardener who couldn't do we a bit o rain for something or another we began to be quite voluble on the subject of plants and crops i find he knows so much more on the subject than i do but i merely nod my head and smile weakly and presently move quietly away when i reach the other end of the platform i hear the sharp jingle of the telegraph bell and the jerk of the signal levers presently a very prim and neat station-master appears who looks as if he had just been turned out of one of the bandboxes in the waiting-room there is also a very active boy porter who is apparently trying to run over the station-master with a truck my old friend is walking slowly along the platform he has left the gay horticulturist in the garden and has assumed the faded misanthrope with his corduroy jacket he tells me that the train is now coming the one that will bring my portmanteau the train presently stops a few gauged agriculturists and a very stout fussy old lady half a dozen milk cans and my portmanteau are put out i am gazing at the latter to be quite sure it is my own when i hear myself addressed by name i turn round and see a smart groom whose face i know well anything else besides the portmanteau sir he says touching his hat sir charles is outside with the wagonette the new pair is a little bit fresh and he don't like to leave em that is all right i think to myself i shall dine at clumer after all End of section 18 recording by linda marie nielsen vancouver bc